Matt Mosley, and uh, being joined right now by uh, Rivals.com's own Kevin Longquist. And uh, Kevin, this is an exciting time. We've got high school football getting started. In fact, mm-hmm. I'll be uh, I'll be heading out uh, tomorrow night to, uh, uh, to watch a game. Well, arena. Uh, I mean, getting it on all these national, all these uh, state championship type teams um, mm-hmm. that are. Uh, I mean, it, it's just China Spring, La Vega. I mean, these are just great, great programs. Uh, and it's very exciting this time of year. And people don't know this, but but you um, spend some time covering Alito and doing their uh, their broadcasts, and that's a seventeenth season. A tr- how many seasons? 17th season I'm starting with them. Wow. Unbelievable. And uh, the Bearcats uh, uh, have become one of the great teams in the state. And uh, a young man that uh, I'm very familiar with is going to be their starting quarterback this year, Hoss Haney, who has an offer from uh, Nebraska and other people looking at him. Doesn't quite have the height of a Austin Novoside, but uh, certainly has unbelievable speed, dual threat capability, and a, and a, and a, and a really good arm. So it's going to be fun to see what Coach Buchanan and and the whole uh, you know the whole bunch uh, do with that. Now, Kevin, uh, you might have noticed that Brett Yormark made it to Waco, Texas yesterday. The commissioner, I wanted to go say hi to the commissioner, but the commissioner was not uh, available for comment. But he was making his way around the campus. A lot of people were greeting him, and he's on what he's calling a listening tour uh, to all the uh, the Big Twelve. But uh, Kevin, the the more you kind of hear from your mark and, and observe what he's doing, do you still feel the same that you maybe did three or four weeks ago that the Big Twelve is in a better position than the Pac twelve, especially as we hear that maybe. Oregon's been in talks with the Big Ten. Others are trying to jump ship. Uh, do you do you feel even more now than even maybe a few weeks ago that the Big Twelve is in a pretty good spot? Yeah, I, I don't think it's really changed since this all went down uh, with USC and UCLA uh, moving to the Big Ten. And I think really the Pac-12 is the one that has to do something about its current situation because, in, technically speaking. It's down to 10 members. And in today's college athletics uh, climate, if you want to be a P5 school conference, uh, you've got to expand and get beyond 10. Now, of course, the Big 12 has had to kind of survive in this mode uh, for a while uh, when it only had 10 for several years. But, and of course, they were up against it last year when Texas and Oklahoma, and the news broke that those two were going to the SEC, and they reacted accordingly. I don't ever think, but then again, I, I say that, but, who knows if, how accurate this is. But my opinion is that I don't foresee the Big 12 ever merging with the Pac-12 in any respect. What I do think will happen here is there will be one conference rating the other uh, if it ever comes to that. And I think what's going to happen here is – and this and this is something, Matt, that you and I talked about probably right after USC-UCLA went down was I think the Pac-12's – whole future really rides on what happens with Oregon and Washington. Whatever Bert McMurphy reported about those informal discussions that Oregon officials had in Chicago with the Big Ten, that's great, but that doesn't really mean anything because 
the Big Ten. They can pick and choose what they want. And sure, they might want the Seattle and Portland market. Maybe they don't. I, I, I think what really has to happen here is what do Oregon and Washington do? And if it's not the Big Ten, do they think that they can be the anchors of a new Pac-12? And if that means adding schools from the Mountain West or AAC, like the two big schools that have been brought up have been San Diego State and my alma mater, SMU, whether or not there's validity to that, I have no idea. But, you know, things like that. Well, it's uh, it's interesting to think about, and I always enjoy uh, talking to Kevin Longquist about those things, a man who did uh, matriculate there at SMU, a place that was flooded recently with all the rains in the Metroplex, 10 inches in the field at about the 15-yard line, <laughs> had an enormous... <laughs> I mean, it was like a mountain formed in the middle of the field. So hopefully uh, they'll get that all taken care of. They generally have some money over there to cover expenses like that. Now, Kevin, today as we prepare, we're about nine days away from the first game, Baylor versus Albany. And, boy, you and I love to get up there, get in position early for these games and, Mm -hmm. um, and visit, maybe have a barbecue sandwich together and hash these things out. One thing that I have not brought up with you, the, you know, everybody feels good about Blake Shapin. They made their choice. Blake's going to be ready. Uh, last year, we saw a, a situation where Blake had to come in and play for Gary, and that's what led to Blake winning the job. This year, I, I we just don't have, I think everybody kind of felt pretty good about Blake's prospects, like if something did happen to Gary. I don't have any feel for what Baylor has at, at backup right now. Kyron Drone seems like he's got all the measurables. He's a big dude. He was a, uh, Baylor was proud to, to, to get him in recruiting. You always have your ear to the ground. Do you have any sense of, of where Kyron is in his development? And, and do, we, do we think he's made some strides? Or is, this, or is the hope, hang on to Shapin, uh, uh, to long as you can, and then, of course, you get Novosad in here next year and start developing him. I really think, Matt, what it comes down to is you're not going to know what kind of development you get from Kyron Drones unless you play him and unless you need him. Now, whether that's going to be perhaps maybe the entire second half against Albany, which would be absolutely ideal in a perfect setup for him, and then maybe getting some playing time against Texas State. I, I doubt we would see him against BYU, of course. Um, you know, what we do have to judge on is what we saw from the spring game where he had the young quarterback tendency of if the first read isn't there, boom, I'm off and I'm running it and I'm, and I'm taking off of the football. What we don't know is, you know, and of course we can only go by what Dave Aranda or Sean Bell or Jeff Grimes have talked about his development. You know, they feel encouraged the way he's progressing through it. But really no one's going to know. And you can even – take what, whatever it came from the scrimmages and say, that looks good, that looks good, that looks good. But then it really comes down to when it's on and when it matters, what are you going to get from it? Because remember, we only got one snap from him last year, and that was against Texas Tech when Blake got blasted on the Tech sideline and he had to come out for a play. And all Kyron did was hand the ball off. And then he left and then Blake came back in. And we never saw Kyron again for the rest of the year. And I think this really comes down to Matt is just getting him out there. And if you can play him the entire second half, or at least a majority of the second half against Albany, regardless of that, it's Albany. You just want to see what he is capable of doing because 
Look, Blake had to gut it through in the championship game against Oklahoma State with a bad wing. And if something like that was to happen in October, God forbid, but if something like that were to happen in October, Kyron's the guy. And you got to find out in these games against Albany and most likely Texas State, what do we have? And you're not going to know that until you see it. All right, uh, Kevin, today is a uh... – we got it. We got it. We got to go short because we've got the University of North Texas head football coach, um, boy Seth Latrell is coming up. But uh, had a real quick one for you. The, okay. the who's the bell cow uh, of uh, these running backs? I was reminded the other day I saw some video of Braylon and goodness gracious, I mean I. I I, I loved it. I love what I saw. I mean, just the balance, mm-hmm. the, the kind of the compact nature, his running style, and then of course Tay uh, is someone we've we've heard a lot about. And then Squirrel it gives you a real change of pace. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this group of running backs, last year uh, Abram Smith became the so-called bell cow. Is right. this a true by committee situation? Or do you see one of these players? Is there anybody you think, hey, this guy has the best chance of of toting the rock, you know, the most? Because they they obviously are going to make a huge commitment to running the ball. Yeah, I, I think Matt, to answer your question, I think we will start uh, as a committee to begin, but I'm still going to put my money on McWilliams to be the guy who emerges to the front. I don't think we were expecting, you know. Um, Abram Smith to do what he did last year. I think we were all hoping that even though he had a running back history before he got switched to linebacker and then came back, that he could just be serviceable and be a guy that could fill, fit a gap and kind of get him through 2021. And obviously it was a season, a uh, single season rushing record. I think it's a situation too, that maybe a little bit more is going to be asked of those backs because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with squirrel because of his little issue. And if he's going to even be ready to start the season, I guess we'll obviously know that against Albany or in, or if people ask David the presser on Monday. But I, I, for my money, though, I still think it's going to be uh, McWilliams to get the start. And the other thing I would keep in mind, too, is if Quaylen Jones, who people have said has progressed nicely through the camp, again, kind of like Hiram, but it's a situation is, does he take advantage of this uh, opportunity? And for the umpteenth time, Josh Flakes gets another chance to show what he can do because the talent is there. It just never happened consistently mm-hmm. enough, but now he gets an opportunity as what they call the trust in Ebner role. But I'd still go yeah. with Nick Williams. Yeah, Fleeks, that's a good name. And, and then Quaylen is, uh, yeah, that's who I was watching that I, I was like, man, there's some there's some power in that running style and in that, in that body. All right, Kevin, always love catching up with you. I appreciate it, and I look forward to game week as we get rolling with it next week. All right? Nine days away. Looking forward to it, Matt. Take care. You bet. There he goes, Kevin Longquist, uh, University of North Texas head football coach.